Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. All right, and welcome back to A Baby Got Batch. We're back. Woo! Woo! Hi, everyone. It's Camila. And it's it's Brett. I, I hope that you know us by now. But hey, maybe you're a first-time listener. And if you are, hey, welcome. So glad you're here. <laughs> Happy to have you. Well, I want to start off this week uh, with a little investigation that I did. You ready for my sleuthing? Sure. Tell me. Well, this was actually based off our conversation last week, where we didn't really know exactly how to pronounce the name of the resort. Oh my god! Like, like Nemecolin, <laughs> because I don't have any hobbies. Uh, I called the resort because I was like, "Nope, oh, you know wow, what? we need <laughs> we need to go to the source." Wait, what? We need to figure out. <laughs> yep, because I'm just off the rails over here. I needed to know. Uh, and, uh, yeah, so now we have our answer. What is your, what is your final guess? My final guess? Okay. I think it's Nima Collin. Nima Collin. Oh, wow. That's, I feel like we didn't even say it once that way. No, oh, wait, Nima Collin. You're going for a new one. No, it's locked in. What did I say? Wait, Nima Collin. (laughs) Nima Collin. No, Nima Collin. That's what we've been saying, right? Did I, or did I say Nima Collin? I think we've been. I can't even remember. I think what you I just said, said. Nima Nima Collin. I think is basically what you said. Okay, Nima Collin. I'm locked All right, in. Locking it in. I'm locked in. All right. So that's not it. Okay. I'm I'm, I'm sorry to burst your bubble. Okay. Womp, womp, womp. Um, but it's actually uh, now now I'm like in my head making sure I'm pronouncing it right. Oh my god. Um, it's it's Nema Colon. Nema Colon. Nema Colon. Well, that's yeah. how Sarah which said I gotta it. Say, which you said sounded British. So here's my theory on that. Okay. Is I think if you say it like really almost like a dramatic version of an American, it's like Nema, oh, it's like Nema colon. Like it's just very kind of weird sounding. Mm-hmm. So I almost think in order to make it sound cute, you kind of have to go vaguely British with it, where you're like, welcome to Nema colon. You have to kind of Nemecol- like get British. You just said it the same way both those times. I mean, maybe. I feel like there's a slight difference. <laughs> a slight difference. Okay, maybe. so Nemecolon. Got it. Maybe it's like, yeah, I think it's the Nema that sounds gross. Like, colon ne- can work if it's said the right way. I'm really looking into this too much. Yeah, I think, well, I'm glad that we know what it is now. So, Nemecolon. You know what I think it is? It's like, if you think when you hear colon, if you think of the punctuation, then I'm like, oh, it sounds sophisticated. That's cool. If you think of the human body colon, then it doesn't sound cute anymore. Yeah, yeah. So it's just, you know, I'm like, it kind of works, but I don't know how to feel. I feel my world has been shattered knowing it's colon. And, uh, but that's here, here we go. Heard it here first. Maybe, maybe heard it here first. Probably not. We're probably the last. Heard it here last. Nema Nema colon. Wait, fuck already. <laughs> it's like Nema colon. Nema colon. This this entire podcast is just saying Nema colon in different ways. 
So anything else uh, interesting happened this week for you, Brett, aside from your <laughs> well, investigative journalism? Uh, I mean, listen, I'm just hyped for the inauguration and happy oh inauguration week. It's crazy that we're here. I know. And listen, I'm feeling a mixture of excited and optimistic, hopeful, but also like profoundly disappointed in the past few days and weeks, just like right. I think the rest of us. So I mean, I'm still choosing to be excited about this week. Yeah, as you should. There's, uh, there's actually a there's actually a story of um of Joe Joe like first name over here. Uh, he like he wanted to take an Amtrak train to his uh, inauguration, but now uh, Biden. Oh what? <laughs> yeah, I thought you were talking about that sort of person. I was like grocery you know, store Joe. What Joe? Last I season mean, Joe. What's listen, happening? Love all Joes. There's a lot of good Joes out there. All right, there. so Joe Biden wanted uh, to do what? He wanted to take an Amtrak train to his inauguration because that's like a thing where he used to take the Amtrak train when he was, uh, you know, just all through his political career. But now he can't because of the security concerns. Mm-hmm. And like that weirdly made me so sad thinking about that. Sad. I mean, um, I recently took an Amtrak uh, across the country from New York City to L.A. And it was freaking awesome. So, yeah, I would be sad if I was Joe Biden, too. <laughs> Yeah, I'm so <laughs> jealous of that. Um, but actually, speaking of politics, uh, I, I was peeping our uh, our DMs on Baby Got Batch Pod oh, on Instagram, okay, um, and then also our reviews. And listen, this is uh, the majority of people are you know saying unbelievably nice things, and I'm so 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 grateful. Please like rate, subscribe, review, all that. Yes, please. Um, but one thing I did want to note was uh, there's a few people who said some comments like, hey, uh, listening to the podcast and liking it, but I'm not really into uh, the political talk and like talking about what's going on in the world. You know, I, I like to treat my bachelor as like an escape and I don't think we should be, uh, you know, addressing politics and blah, 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 blah. Wow. Um, so I did want to just like address that. So First off, I actually do appreciate you listening. You know, like, <laughs> I think we both do. We're we're all we're not trying to push away view, uh, listeners by any measure, um, but I think speaking for both of us, but but also you know, jump in, Camila, whenever you want. Mm-hmm. Um, I think when we were creating this podcast, uh, it just feels a bit like irresponsible to not talk about politics and and current events especially as it pertains to bachelor you know i mean talking about the events of 2 weeks ago and and who is posting about them who we think is a potential new bachelor activist and all of that uh, I, I yeah i do think it's relevant and i think what we said in the last episode it rings true where you know silence is violence and you know silence is complicit uh in and of itself so it does just feel irresponsible not talking about it so i can't promise that the politics are going to stay out of this podcast i do hope people who aren't looking for that stick around maybe give us a chance and and stay with an open mind but just wanted to make a note of that do you have any other thoughts sure i'm valid points and opinions i think i i differ slightly from you brett but i just want to say this is so this is the first time i'm hearing of this and not because you know i am not uh paying attention to our lovely 
reviews and what people are saying about us, please do review the podcast. It really helps us. Um, but I had it just hadn't checked recently. I think the last time I checked was maybe 10 days ago. As you all know, it's been a crazy couple of weeks um, <laughs> outside of Bachelor Nation. So a lot of us have been pretty preoccupied with other things. Um, like this is the first time I'm hearing this. So I just kind of looked really quickly at our reviews. And I'm not sure if there's multiple, but I found one that I think is in line with what you're saying. Um, I'm just mm-hmm. going to read it really quick. So it's from Batch Fant X, and it says, I'm conflicted. I really enjoy the banter from the hosts about the show. First, thank you. <laughs> However, when I'm listening to this podcast, I want an escape from politics, etc. Not everyone shares the same views as you. In this episode, you said F our president. Personally, that is not something I want to hear, no matter if the president is who I support or not. Can you respect the office no matter who occupies it? I really want to see how this show evolves before I unsubscribe. I hope this feedback is helpful as you begin your podcasting journey. I enjoy the Bachelor-only content very much. Best of luck. So I would love to respond to this review. Go for it. First, I think it's a very respectful message. I really appreciate it. I know you've spoken with Reality Steve about how sometimes it can feel like people on the internet are bullying you with their opinions and it's kind Mm -hmm. of really easy to dismiss people when they do that. So I do want to give props for this. It's a very lovely, you know, worded message. But with that being said, you know, when I agreed to do this podcast with Brett, what I wanted to do was dissect this show that we love through the lens of our political views, which happened to be pretty aligned not 100% aligned but pretty aligned Brett and I's you know everyone in the Brett's Bachelor buds it's a pretty lefty leaning group as well there are some discussions in there again not everyone is 100% aligned but it was kind of going off of that energy as well and so if that doesn't vibe with you if you want bachelor only content or if you don't want you know bachelor intersecting with politics content I totally respect that, but this show just isn't for you. You know, like we're not gonna we're not gonna stop talking about these topics. We're not gonna stop making these dissections. These are the things that Brett and I love to talk about when we get together and like gush over the most recent episode of The Bachelor. That's how our friendship, you know, really grew. And that was the interest that we both had in starting and really creating and nurturing this podcast. So I totally respect if you're not someone who wants to say you know f our president no matter who is in power i really respect that but i agree to disagree and so we're gonna keep doing this podcast with a political lens and if that is not your cup of tea i'm really sorry to lose you as a subscriber but you got to do what you got to do you know you got to protect yourself just like we got to go on the journey that we want to go on yeah, that was that was much I think nicer said than than, than what I said. So I, <laughs> I I co-opt your message actually because it sounded better as I was listening to it. So uh, listen to Camila. Oh, thanks, Brett. One thing I did like about that review was that it was three stars instead of one star because listen, could have easily had that been a one <laughs> yeah. star review. So you know, I'll give credit where credit is due. It was an accurate reflection of yeah. that person's feelings. Yeah, of their feelings. But listen, five stars are better. Five stars are better. So if you feel so inclined to balance that out. uh, Yeah. If you like us and you like that we're lefty loose, please give us five stars. And with that being said, shall we get into the episode this week? Of course. Let's do it. All right. So we start off this week again with kind of like a weird cold open. I don't really understand this move. Usually it's a cold open to something really dramatic. Again, I think of Barb 
telling Peter, oh, don't let her go. Don't let her go. Who is it? We don't know. Ah. It's like a season cold open, not an episode cold open. True, but they would come back to right? it. They would come back to it and then reveal like a little bit more of the puzzle every so often. But we're just getting like the most random cold opens this time in a way that I don't remember being the case in the past. But yeah, I will say that it definitely feels new and like a fun experiment, you know, just trying to mix things up. But after the cold open, we get uh, we're coming back to the rose ceremony and Sarah nearly passing out, which something I thought of is uh, I don't know if this was not. This was her being on the the risers there and locking her knees, or if this was genuinely like solely because she was so emotionally overwhelmed. But I wanted to shout out everyone who was in uh, chorus in high school because that was a lesson I learned when I was doing a little, little little choir concerts is to never lock your knees because you might pass out if you're standing up there for a really long time. Wait, really? Were you in chorus? No. Yeah, it's a I thing. can't sing for sure. Yeah, it's like. <laughs> Uh, listen, I've done karaoke with you, so I feel like you're you're doing yourself a disservice. And there's there's talent in there. So I love that you brought that up because if you'll remember, it was for Brett's birthday, so maybe he's having a fuzzy memory. But if you maybe I don't remember. If you remember correctly, I only chose songs where you could like speak, yell, sing to them. So I definitely do some good talk singing. That's for damn sure. And reflecting back, <laughs> that was like a very good strategic move. Because listen, you tricked me. I'm like, oh, she did that with confidence. Uh, there was no hesitation. So listen, you, you tricked me. You did it. <laughs> Just wait. Next time we go to karaoke, I'm going to be like, really pay attention, Brett. Really pay attention to my inability to match tone, match pitch. <laughs> Man, I miss karaoke so much. I miss it uh, so much. That was such a good night. Uh, <sighs> I know. <laughs> that was actually a uh, shout out to Derek Peff uh, from JoJo season who joined us at karaoke that he night. He did. And, uh, Him and I sing a song uh, together and we have pictures together. And I remember showing, you know, some of my bachelor fan friends. I was like, this picture of him staring into my eyes with a mic in his hand. And I was like, I really look like I'm being serenaded right now by this really hot man. So thank you, Derek, <laughs> for those 10 minutes of clout that I got out of those pictures. <laughs> <laughs> if he weren't, currently engaged i might ship you to oh that's the, very uh, sweet that's say. very sweet i did feel like we were in different life stages at the time so i don't think it would have worked mm. out but i appreciate the wingman energy that you put forth to all your friends including me so i really appreciate that next time listen always here especially <laughs> because dating in a pandemic is bleak to oh, say the least so God. gotta help out where you can it's so gotta tragic. help out it fucking blows but- <laughs> it does so much it's so much <laughs> that's for another podcast that's for another podcast oh yeah Anyway, so besides our open. tragic dating lives. <laughs> so Sarah locks her knees. So, you learned in course not to do that. Yep. So shout out to Mr. Ackles from Marcellus High School. You know, I would never be in that situation solely because of chorus. So heck yeah. We love that. Uh, but then finishing up that drama from last week, uh, Matt goes over to her and then comes back and addresses the moment with the women, which I really like him doing. I really like that. I think maybe because he's hyper aware as a lead because he hasn't done this before, where I think anytime he's spending time with someone else or there's just something that sort of interrupts the process. I think he's doing a good job of being like, hey, you know, I'm only like one person and I want to fully hear that person out, make sure they're okay. I would try to do it, you know, with any of you. Yeah, he did. Uh, I mean, I feel like he had, he had definitely said like a whisper of that right here. And then I feel like he said a lot of that later in the episode, which we'll get to, you know, with, yeah. again, relating to Sarah. And I'm not going to lie. 
felt like it started to get old a little bit but i yeah. remember in this moment particularly i i felt the same i felt like yeah he's realizing that he's in a rock and a hard place whenever he has to publicly you know comfort one person in front of the rest of the yeah. group so yeah. it probably got old because the first time it happens i'm like oh yeah you know i can see he's a uh, equal opportunity supporter and tries to like comfort everybody. But when it's the same person over and over and, again, it's like, but All the right. truth is, and then I definitely want to put a pin in this now and get into it later when we come back to this part of the episode. But the truth is, is that it's not true. Like he isn't like all, yeah. a lot of these, women were seeing them you know miss him or have issues with other people in the house and all these things and he's not that open or available for them and part of it they're not coming forward either because they know how it goes like you try to you know separate your drama from your relationship not to say that that's the right way to do it but like for example i i genuinely feel like if he had given marilyn more time and consideration I think that she would have gotten a rose because we saw that he had made an effort for her earlier. And then he kind of pretty plainly said, like, I don't like girls who bully other girls and then sent her home. So I don't think that he necessarily. Like, I think he thinks he is, but he's not seeing the signs mm. that yeah. there's more there that needs attention and caring. For example, I feel like if he genuinely felt that way, he would have gone back to Katie and gone out of his way to, you know, touch base with her also so i don't yeah yeah anyway well we're saying too much already we'll get back to that yeah but it's a very good point though thank you i will raise it again later and maybe mm. i cut it out now who knows uh <laughs> one thing i did want to call out was uh our our girl kayla uh how she was reacting to this situation i did not question sarah's fainting did I get a slight bit of annoyance because my name hadn't been called and I want to get my emotions over with first? Yeah, totally. Do I feel sucky saying that? Yeah. I think she handled the human complexities of that situation really well. I'm so glad you pointed that out because I felt exactly the same. I was like, yeah, like we're human and it's okay. Things can not be personal, but still affect us. Like she... She was like, I don't think she's faking, but that does that mean that I was mad at her? Yes, and I can understand the duality of that. Like I can understand the complexity of that. And in turn, like I can I can forgive myself for that. You know, like she she's yeah. openly admitted it feels shitty to feel that, but it is what I felt. And I that to me, I love that moment because I feel like that's exactly how we should all approach difficult situations in our lives. It's like you can be allowed to be upset about a thing. And not necessarily project that anger onto the person or thing mm. that is causing it. And that's yeah. like, she was pretty self-aware about that. And I freaking loved it. Yeah. That advice end up, ended up just being a whole f needed foreshadow of the entire Woo! episode. Yep. So the episode already started with only five roses left. So shortly after all this, there's one rose left and two of the four or five ladies remaining are Victoria and Marilyn. Obviously, as we all know, Marilyn went home. Because we can't have nice things. We cannot of course, have Marilyn nice went home. And I really, truly thought that she, when she said bye to him, she would say something like, watch out for Victoria. Or even more vague, like, watch out for some of the girls in the house who are not being honest or anything like that. Not because I think 
she's like an angry or vindictive person or whatever, but just because that's something that we see all the time when people are wrongly sent home. Like, I feel like every single yeah. time someone is sent home by a villain's manipulation, we see that person, like their last hurrah for themselves is being like, watch your back. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I was kind yeah. of sad that we didn't get that. Yeah. Well, you know what? I actually, I think she would have been completely uh, merited in saying that. Like it, it would have been completely justifiable, but I was actually really, um, I think she handled it the exact way that I expected her to, because even right. when she was going back and forth with Victoria, when she could have gotten so flustered, I would have gotten so flustered yeah. with Victoria getting that back and forth. Um, she kept her cool. She tried to diffuse, diffuse, diffuse. So if anything, that's her carrying her brand to the very yeah. end of just, I'm going to end this on a peaceful note, even if I could have just gone off right now. And I'm like so mad because I thought this was going to go at least another week. Yeah. I need to point out that i am like oh for like five calling out some two-on-one but we have to have the two on one we have to let things marinate we'll see who knows maybe we go back to mari maybe the victoria and someone else picks up again you know maybe the east coast west coast comes back you never know true all right so i'll, I'll say oh for one because this one's definitely not going to happen oh now, yeah the Maryland true. and victoria so oh for one okay i appreciate you giving me credit that <laughs> these things could still happen um and so yeah i just want to kind of co-sign your Marilyn thing because you're right that's what I wanted to see but everything that she showed us with her character and everything we saw you know realistically everything that we saw is in line with that of like head held high and not kind of stooping to a dramatic level which doesn't mean that it's bad to you know confront people or like set put your truth out there or, or like stand up for yourself I think there's different ways to handle things. And I know I'm someone who will definitely, you know, fight for myself in these situations. So, but just like you said, like I wouldn't have had like the grace to handle it the way she did. And so if that's the way she wants to handle it, like all power to her, still respect her all the same. Yeah. And we need her on paradise. Clearly. I think that she, I think that she's a good paradise contender for sure. Yeah. Yeah, because she was just robbed. You know, it's one thing to see someone get sent home when it was very much not their fault and they were just uh, got the short end of the stick. But also, yeah, let's just send the the BIPOC contestants home because of this like bullshit over here. And, you know, it's hard enough for BIPOC contestants to get far in this franchise and the show in the first place, but especially when it just feels like there's so much more that we could have seen from Marilyn because I liked everything that i saw and maybe there's stuff that we didn't see but i kind of sort of doubt it yeah but yeah anyway it just feels worthy of calling out yeah so not only did we lose Marilyn, but we lost our girl Kristen. and here's the thing is i didn't even realize until i saw on twitter that people were acknowledging she wasn't there and then she acknowledged she wasn't there because i had to of course confirm and yeah completely <laughs> robbed us of a goodbye moment for one of our favorites and i'm so mad and we also lost uh elena alana i don't exactly know how to say her name so i don't know what this trend is of just not showing people when they're leaving i know there's a lot of people but agreed i did not notice she was not in the episode until you texted me about it after the episode like i <laughs> i mean the sarah saga took up a lot because if you think about it i think we would have noticed when she wasn't on the second group date but we haven't seen that yet, yeah. but I, I'm just upset. Like she was, she didn't even have an arc. Like she deserved an arc. Yeah, I know. I know. 
listen, put her on Bachelor in Paradise. Well, that's what I'm hoping. But there's so many freaking women on this season. Oh so many God, of which needs like, Mar- you know, what 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 about put Marilyn on on uh, no, no. on Bachelor in Paradise? What about the two girls who left early night one yeah. that, you know, it's like there's only so many. Oh, it just hurts my soul. Yeah. Like I want I want Kristen to be yeah. in Paradise so bad. But it's like. Why? Why? <laughs> why? Yeah. Uh. They just need to bring like sixty people to paradise. Just have it be like Dude. the most dramatic bachelor in paradise of all time. Maybe extend it a couple weeks so we have enough time to follow the arcs. But Dude, what if they there's did too many that, people, like and I want summer. all of them. I'd be so fucking for it. Is, that's so- how I'd react. That's <laughs> what I need. After the bullshit that we've gone through this past year, I need the best paradise we've ever seen. And oh the only God. way that's going to happen is if we bring Kristen, we bring Marilyn, we bring people that I like from last season that I can't even remember because it's been too to long. Say. Need all of them. <laughs> need, need all of them. Yeah. But listen, Kristen, hopefully you're in paradise this summer. But if you're not... um, you know, Camille and I, we're going to buy you a drink. We're going to go on a rooftop bar. We're going to have a great time. You don't need you don't need them. Whatever. Retweet, my dude. <laughs> Retweet. Heck yeah. Just trying to speak <laughs> your language, you know? So then after this very emotional rose ceremony, we have a group date. Um, Chris Harrison comes in and he says, one, everyone's going to go on a date, which is, I think, unique. Mm. Like, I don't think... I mean, especially when there's this many people, usually there's a couple, like a handful of people, maybe even like two or three who don't go on any date. And usually it's not till there's like seven people left that everyone goes on a date. So I thought that was kind of cool. Um, and so there's two two group dates and one one-on-one. And then Chris Harrison makes this big speech about, you know, pushing Matt out of his comfort zone. And then the date card, today is a surprise for everyone, which again, all the date cards are surprises it's like give us something to work with i don't know it just yeah there's like no pun word like all you need is like one word that once you see what the date is you're like ah i see what they were doing there but yeah right every date is a surprise every date card is a surprise it's something like get ready for a steamy surprise you know just yeah (laughs) this is the hill we die on bachelor date card puns Um, so then Ashley I, Bachelor Icon and Fave, is hosting. She reads some erotica. And then we find out that this is from Chris Harrison's book. Now, I just, I got to say, I knew he wrote a book and I knew it was a romance book, but I thought it was just like a cheesy, because when Greatest of All Time was airing um, this summer or spring or whatever, I saw that book in the background and I remember thinking like, why is he giving this book so much free publicity and then i realized it was his (laughs) book and then i kind of googled it and i saw that it was like a love story and i was like oh that matches maybe it was his idea but he has a ghostwriter or maybe he wrote it himself who knows but i'm like this matches his brand right like romance whirlwind like i could totally see him writing him this himself because he has so much inspiration from all these crazy love stories that he's seen over the past 25 seasons um who knows how many years so Totally bought it. Didn't think twice about it. And then Ashley I says that this sex scene that she's reading out loud is from Chris Harrison's book. Maybe it was time to shake things up a bit. He was positioning himself over her, raising her hips to meet his. With one hand, she cupped his buttocks. (laughs) With the other, she reached down to feel him against her thigh. 
His lips moved to her ears, her neck. She panted. Jake, please don't make me wait anymore. And I'm like, wait, Chris Harrison wrote erotica? Like, <laughs> what? Like, I that is definitely not. I'm still wrapping my brain around that. Like, how? Do, what did you think? Did, was that a surprise to you as well? Literally the exact same thought oh as you. It's like, I've known about the perfect letter just of its existence for a very long time. Now I feel the need to read it, even though I don't know how that's going to go. But I will say, I did not think it was erotica. I did not. And I was very surprised when Ashley was reading these excerpts, because I think of Chris as a very uh, reserved wholesome. individual. Yeah. Wholesome, reserved, you know, kind of maybe repressed a little bit in that regard. Well, also like squeaky clean. That is part yeah. of the Bachelor Nation shtick that you and I obviously don't like, <laughs> but it is part of the, <laughs> the shtick, like purity, you know, a certain level of classiness, you know, a certain level of like respectability yeah. politics at play. So I feel like that's something. And whenever they do risque things, they like to push it because it titillates yeah. the majority of their audience, but it's still kind of keeping it safe. And I feel like this was definitely pushing really far. And the fact yeah. that it was attached to Chris Harrison's name, I was like incredible. Incredible. Yeah. Very, very off brand. Also, I need to shout out Ashley Eyes publicist for getting her on not just one but two different appearances. She she just like was on like Bachelorette so not long ago. And she's just back again, not knowing either of them. She doesn't know. I think it was Claire at that point. No, she was uh, she does know Claire. They were on Winter Games together. Oh, that's Right. Wow. I, I forgot Ashley was on Winter Games. That's where she, she that's how this. she got diversionized. Oh, not on the show, okay, not on back. the show, but with <laughs> the guy been. that Talk she, about saucy content. I know she, so for all you people who don't know about my favorite season or offshoot of the bachelor ever bachelor winter games, Ashley, I met, um, Kevin Wentz, I think, uh, he was from yeah. a Canadian franchise and they hit it off and they started dating and they became, you know, official boyfriend and girlfriend, whatever. And they dated for quite a bit after that show ended. See, you're you're refreshing my my memory here. That's uh wow, I can He basically he basically I'll try to hunt down the clip and put it here, but he basically blew up the spot when he was forced to watch her and Jared get engaged on Bachelor in Paradise that next mm. summer. It's kind of a weird day. Ashley and I have had something pretty special between us. I think when I first saw her and Jared come down, I was I was more just in that mindset of let's get this over with. It hurts, but it also stirs up a little bit of the questions that I still have about us. I'm going to vent for a second, if that's yeah, okay. Yeah. Ashley and I, we ended things as friends, and I'm a very monumental part of her dating life. Let's just put it that way. Like, I, right. I'm a big part of her life. Right. There was a little bit of a sore spot there, and then seeing her come in today felt like it was a little bit of a a little bit of a slap in my face of like this big gesture in front of me and that kind of hurt yeah very well it's all coming back to me mm -hmm. but you know what i did think while watching this is this felt like a missed opportunity for a hannah b cameo because that would have fit so well into the brand of this date you know what well do you know why i think that didn't happen is because that was supposed to, that was literally supposed to be what happened with her cameo on Peter's season. Remember, they walked in similar vibe. She's on stage reading mm -hmm. about having sex in a windmill, and then she introduces a date concept, and she's just like, "Tell a sex story," or like a. It was supposed to be like risque, and then 
she and Pierce are talking and she breaks down and they cancel the date. So maybe they didn't want to risk it twice. <laughs> yeah, fair, fair. Just like, well, because listen, they did get to know each other a little bit during the uh, the quarantine uh, crew time. So uh, we maybe would have seen uh, another another Peter 2.0 of that date. So very good point. Yeah. Very good point. <laughs> Um, so this date was really fun. The women all write erotica. Some are sweet, sensual. Some are flat out. All you hear is beep, 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 sensor, beep, sensor. Um, <laughs> even the ones that aren't weren't completely beeped out. It was definitely very heat inducing. Um, it was erotica. It was fan fiction. You know, Wattpad, Watt, Watt, Wattpad, Wattpad, whatever. Tumblr, porn, all that good stuff. We had it here today, folks. I really liked their different takes because obviously mm-hmm. you have, you know, Katie. The first thing I saw when I saw this day is like, oh, Katie's got to just be like so ready for this. She was made for this. But you know what I also thought in thinking that is it kind of going back to karaoke. It's kind of like if you can vaguely sing and you go to karaoke and people know you can kind of vaguely sing, and then people put so much pressure on you. They was like, oh, over here, like they uh, were in an acapella group at college and blah, 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 or they're a singer. So there's a lot of expectation for you to deliver. Yeah. Kind of similar energy for Katie on this date where we all yeah. are looking at her. It's like, this better be the best erotica I've ever heard in my life or I will be disappointed. Yeah. So the bar is high for her in this date. Yeah. With all like the bleeps and stuff, you obviously know that they're pushing the envelope and being more explicit. But because you don't actually know what is being said, it could literally just be like, we fucked and I jumped on a stick (laughs) and blah, blah, blah. And so I think with like erotica, it's not necessarily about dancing around the subject, but it is about like sensual details and and all that stuff Mm. and building up to moments and so when we heard like the non-bleep stuff, I really, I felt like it helped. I mean, obviously Matt heard everything so he and everyone there heard everything so they i trust their judgment of like who's they liked and who's they didn't and they liked uh katie so that's good but i just remember thinking like i to me it seems like these are better and they're winners because we're actually hearing things about like build up and like things that like cause tension and just yeah. i don't know things that are important to, like, to stories yeah. and to moments does that make yeah. sense? I don't even you know bringing up yeah you bringing up you bringing up the build up point is exactly what i honed in on because I actually think the ones that affected me the most, where I was like, I need to go get like a glass of water. This is getting a little much, uh, were the ones that didn't actually just go for it with the yeah. bleeps. And obviously, because we can't fully hear what they're saying. But if I were to give the uh, the pros rose, if you will, <laughs> see what I did there uh, on this date. I actually think that Matt did a really good job because his, his poem, he was very like reserved. Hear me out. Is that he had a lot of buildup and like misdirection, which I always appreciate a good misdirect where he's like saying like a sensual thing where it's like he he gently placed his two hands on her shoulders. Mm-hmm. And but there was like a lot of good like buildup. And I think the fact that he was sort of uh, being coy about it actually made it like, oh, damn, oh, damn. Instead of just like going at it. Well, with his, I th- I thought of it slightly differently because um, so there's this podcast I used to work on back at BuzzFeed called Thirst Aid Kit. And they, you know, it was kind of like lusting out loud was their tagline. And they would write little <sighs> drabbles. So not full on erotica, but just little like fan fiction moments about celebrity crushes. And it was very, yeah, it just gave you butterflies and stuff. And it wasn't always about sex. It was about like moments of romance together. And so when <clears throat> Matt read his, that's what I 
that's what I saw because that is like an intimate moment. Like you're coming home and you're seeing the person who you love like in the kitchen and you go up to them and you show affection how, you know, how like you want them to feel safe. So you put your hands on their shoulders like that always. Like he said that and I remembered like that (laughs) feeling and I was like, oh, that feeling of like someone you love coming up behind you and like putting their hands on your shoulders. I was like, just, ooh. So that's how I saw that one. And then when you talk about misdirection, I kind of felt like Kits was like that, right? She was like, Mm. Matt's big, long, thick legs and i was just kind of like ah, yeah sure yeah it's a different style yeah it was a different style but i totally hear i totally hear that i did like his i got a little butterfly i was like oh, i miss human touch yeah. i think everyone listening is uh is really learning something about camila and i <laughs> where we just like are all about build up you know and this is also really making me unpack how damn lonely 2020 has been where if I'm getting over here, like literally like I'm getting cotton mouth when I'm watching him, him talk about like putting his hands on someone's shoulders. It's like, that is, again, we talk about the bar being low. That is enough to fluster me. I disagree. I don't think, I don't think the bar is on the ground because of that. I think that's, I think it's the opposite. I think that means that there is a bar because you're not, it's not just about sex. It's not just about like instant gratification of like sticking, you know, your, genitals into someone else's genitals like it's not you know which is kind of the vibe that i got from victoria's for example which is just like yeah i jumped him i ripped his pants off i sat on his dick like we fucked like i made him come like you know it's just where's the sensuality where are the details that put you as a character in the story so i feel like it's opposite i feel like the bar is is higher when there's things that you connect to that are like mm, like little things that speak to you that maybe lead to more more explicit moments. Yeah. No, I guess when I said the bar was low, when I said the bar was low, it wasn't even so much like, oh, that's all he had to write uh, in order for me to like feel that sort of... I think when I said bar is low, it's more like my needs right now are so like down here that it doesn't take all that much for me to be like, that would be nice. Just like I need a hug so badly and I would be so excited for that. Yeah. Um, so Brett, did you have a favorite other than Matt's? <laughs> I don't know how I feel about that, but I think Matt's is my favorite. Uh, but then other people who get, uh, I guess gold, silver, and bronze, cause they should be in their own category. I would say gold when maybe to Katie. I mean, I feel like I feel I need to give Katie the gold. Uh, I'm going to give my silver to Anna, uh, specifically because I really liked her, line about uh you know they it's like she was reaching climax and then he said you're the last one here and then i came immediately like i really thought that was <laughs> i thought good. that was a good and... balance of like like not making a joke out of it in the first half of the story and then in the end like finishing with like a, a funny joke like i thought that was a really good balance of that and i liked it a lot too yeah and then this is going to be controversial but i think i give my bronze to victoria and i don't like that i'm doing that because i i liked that she made like a she seems like a little bit more mellowed out on this date than what we saw last week. So part of me was thinking, are we going to finally see her calm down a little bit? Not that I'm ever going to like her, but just where it's not the Victoria show. I would later eat my words later on in this episode. But here I was like, maybe, just maybe she's being a regular person and having fun with the women in the group. Yeah. I mean, do I think that she's, even at the end of this episode, like, do I think that she's toned it down a little bit? For sure. 
but I, that doesn't mean that I like her. But yeah, I mean, we can agree to disagree. Like I yeah. said up top, like we all have our own opinions. Yeah. Um, and I disagree. Oh, yeah. I thought, do I think it's brave for her to be outrageous? Sure, but that's also her brand. Like I don't think like and she knows that they all know that's how she is. So it's almost not as impressive as if like someone like if Rachel or or Sierra or what you know one of some of the more soft spoken people had come out and said something like that. Maybe, but I it's like I said, like I felt like it's not as intimate or as like creative or as you're not putting yourself in a scenario with Matt. You're just like describing basic sex. You know, you're not like yeah. setting a scene. So I think that's why I think that's something that like sets erotica apart from porn, for example. And yeah, so that's why I uh, I disagree with you there. But these are your rankings and I asked. So thank you. You know, listen, always here. <laughs> but then we get the night of the first group date mm-hmm. and something that jumped at me immediately, which we didn't talk about last week, but I was brought right back to it this week is did you see Matt kiss with his eyes open yeah. when Rachel came over. You know, what is this? What, Honestly, what is this habit? Last week we were so emotionally drained and I, obviously we did the podcast anyway because we we're committed to this, but we were so emotionally drained and I felt like we missed a lot of <laughs> things last week. Yeah. And yeah. Well, I definitely didn't miss it this week. <laughs> oh, absolutely not. I will say part of me feels for him because I can sit over here in uh you know my room and just judge other people when I'm when I'm like how could you kiss like that that being said I do not ever want to see footage of me kissing someone never if you have that for whatever reason please burn it throw it into a well and yeah I I don't want to see it I don't want to see it I don't I don't think I would like what I would see at all so kind of also who am I but also close your eyes and also if anyone does have this footage out there take a copy send it to me babygotbatchpod at gmail.com. Don't do Thank it. <laughs> I'm also on the email. I'm going to delete it immediately. No. Yep. Send yep. Censor, censor those emails. Send it. Um, <laughs> I will say, like, have I had my eyes open during a kiss before? Absolutely. Like, I feel like not even in a checking if their eyes are open, like sometimes, you know, but it's usually, it's never like a first kiss. Like, it's usually someone yeah. who I've kissed many times before and it's usually just because I'm actually, I'm trying to place myself there right now. I'm like, why do you? I think it's just like, sometimes you just like open because you just want to see them and then you close again. Like, I don't think I've ever stared at someone while I was kissing them. It's just kind of like a, oh, yeah. you're still there. Okay. Yay. Yeah. I, it's weird. Well, it's, I think, um, well, now that you've, you've told on yourself, I will also say uh, that I've totally done that before. But I've I don't totally think that's weird. That like I've also, yeah. I've, I've opened my eyes before and the person is like staring at me and that's fucking weird. <laughs> and I've opened my eyes before. And then the other person happens to at the same time too. And we kind of like giggle at each other and close them again. Like, I don't think yeah. it's weird to have your eyes open when you're kissing. I think it's weird to have your eyes open the entire time you're kissing. I think that's a distinction that I need to make. I also think if you know you're on TV, maybe close your eyes. (laughs) Maybe a little bit. That might be the, if you're going to pick a time, like, listen, if you're in a dark bar and it's just you two and a little nook, a little cute nook that you made for yourself. And you're scared that someone's going to come and steal your phone. Obviously keep one eye open. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I actually do think I'm trying to unpack why I've opened my eyes in the past now too. And I do think there almost is this trust thing where if you're, you know, it's almost the opposite of what you said, but 
I, I actually can't fully pin down why I do, but I've definitely noticed it. And I think it's like when you're reading another person, you're like, okay, is this person uh, still into this kiss? Do they want to like, you know, yeah, pull away? You know, it's like what's yeah, their body? Yeah. So it's kind it's of kind reading like a checking in with the other person. Yeah, yeah. So I think that's kind of why I do. This is the sort of thing where I feel like we need to sit with this for a week and maybe check in next week if we've like unpacked, if we figured out why we occasionally yeah. open our eyes when I kiss. I think that's definitely something I'm gonna like Google to explore. the shit out of this and be like, why do people open their eyes? The psychological <gasps> maybe, analysis. Maybe we'll put of... a maybe we'll put a survey on on the Instagram on the old IGs. We'll see. If you if you feel like being uh, vulnerable, open, genuine, real, you can DM us and let us know that you just like have your eyes open. Yeah. Yeah, send us a voice note. If you if you have ever kissed with your eyes open, send us a voice note about it, about the experience, about why you did it or why not, or if you never noticed, just anything. Just send us a voice note. You can email it to us, babygotbatchpod at gmail.com or DM it to us. Um, and maybe we'll play it on the pod next week. Who knows? That could be a fun new segment. I'm, I'm into it. Into it. <laughs> um. So, you know, Matt kissing with his eyes open aside. Um. A lot of this group date is monopolized by Sarah, who interrupts the group date. She, as everyone remembers, is not actually a, a part of this group date. Before we get into that, um, most of the rest of this episode is dedicated to, you know, the fallout of this event. And so I think Brett and I, we talked about this a little bit before we started recording. And I think we we want to put this on pause really quick uh, because we want to talk about it all together and so we're going to jump to the one-on date really quickly. And then after that, we will come back and tackle this whole big Sarah um, moment issue, uh, saga. Debacle, whatever word yeah. you want. <laughs> um, all together so that we're not kind of jumping around all over the place. So with that being said, um, it's one-on-one time with Serena P. And I Woo. will say that I didn't – I mean, obviously, I knew that she was going to get this one-on-one date because of – the promo and stuff or in the cold open. Mm-hmm. But before that, I, I'm i not going to lie. I kind of saw Serena P as middle of the pack. Like I didn't really see her mm-hmm. being a front runner. And so I was pleasantly surprised when he chose her. And then I was just really, really pleasantly surprised with her date in general. It was super fun. Her personality was super fun. She packed a punch. She was so funny. She was sassy. Like I, she was the type of girl that I, yeah, I fuck with. Like I'd want to be friends with her. I thought she was, yeah. She just seemed awesome, and not that she seemed bland before. I just feel like we haven't really seen her yet, so that was cool. Yeah. And I re- and I didn't even realize that till this moment. So I was like, "Oh, cool!" Yeah. Like I I was really excited to get to know her. I think too because there's another Serena that always buries both of the people who have yeah. a shared name. Like I can't like one can't stick out that much, or it's yeah. a lot harder for them too. Because until the other one goes, it's like, nope, That's I don't so have time. True. My my brain cannot compute this information until it's just you. Yeah, it's like Tyler C or like Luke P. Yeah, yeah, exactly. There can only be one. Wait, so with this with this one on one date, what did you what did you kind of think of it? Was this like your your vibe? You mean the actual date function? Um, yeah, the actual date. Yeah, well, I used to, for a hot second, I almost became a horse girl in like the fourth grade. Oh, I I, uh, I don't even remember the name of it. It was like Huntington, I can't even remember the name, but it was somewhere in a homestead in Florida. Uh, I'm from Miami. And it was a horse place I went to for like a couple months every Saturday in the fourth grade. And yeah, it was fun. And I so to this day, I still like riding horses. I don't do it very often at all. I think I've done it like three times in the last six years. But I 
genuinely think it's fun. And so, yeah, I would have been real hyped to do this date. And then I think the picnic, like donkey interruption, Polaroid selfies, I think it's a really cute date. And I think it's it's totally an innovation. It's what we're talking about in terms of like innovating lo-fi dates from last season to now. Like this is a low-tech date but it's still so much brighter and better and more natural and whimsical feeling than a lot of the one-on-one dates from the last season. And I think that's trial and error learning curve. And I think we're seeing that innovation here. Like I definitely loved the vibe of the day. It was chill, but still had whimsy. Yeah. Yeah. How about you? What are your thoughts? Well, well, this date was extremely my shit, <laughs> like a hundred percent. I actually don't know if you know this. Do you know that I'm a former and or recovering horse boy? I don't think you do. No. I don't think you do. It yeah, does it's kind of reveal. match your vibe, though. Does it? I don't know. I thank you. Question mark. <laughs> what does that even mean? I don't know. But uh, I wouldn't say I am anymore. But yeah, I, like all through my childhood, uh, like for example, my mom and dad, even though they're divorced now, they actually met in equine studies. So it's like in my wow. origin story, man. Yeah. They were actually doing, I think, a dissection for some like, I don't know, something like that. And then Poor my horsey. mom's pickup line for my dad was, oh, I like your knife. And that's how my parents met. That is how my parents met. If I'm fudging the details, if either of them are listening, I apologize, but I think that's the story. That's and uh, no, and then and then growing up, yeah, like I lived like in the country. My bedroom was right next to a horse stable, so it was very much in my DNA. Uh, I'm a city boy now, but I'm a city boy who can appreciate a uh, a horse date, uh, a little horse excursion, especially especially this way. Especially in the fall, this is extremely like me as a date where you do have a you have a fun little mountainous big fall boy big fall boy energy. Yeah, if you're gonna do a horse ride, do it in the fall, do it in the mountains, have a cute little picnic. This is like bam, bam, bam. (laughs) Checklist is done. Sign me up for this date, absolutely. Um, and so then we also see the cold open of like the donkey interrupting a kiss. I think it's very cute. Um, they bring it back up in the night portion. You know, Matt's kind of saying that the donkey's cramped to style and and uh, Serena's <laughs> just like, mm, I like them. They're very cute. <laughs> um, and they just had a really lovely time together. And this is, I think, the first time that we see Matt saying to one of the women that he's never been in love before, which I think was interesting. Like, mm-hmm. I wonder if that came up naturally or maybe she was prompted by a producer. Either way, I thought it was... Yeah. I kind of thought that that was going to be like a big like dun 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 moment, Reveal. which I didn't, yeah. which I didn't like. You know, as we talked about, I don't, you know, that shouldn't be a reason to write someone off. And so the fact that it kind mm. of naturally flowed and it didn't have this big fanfare around it, I really liked that. Yeah, because yeah, promos no, were definitely yeah. hyping it to be something like that. Yeah, yeah. Mm. So what I really loved about their conversation too was when they started talking about how their parents reacted to them coming on the show. You know, so Matt's talking about how his mom was super supportive. Serena was talking about how her dad wasn't. And I really loved her description of how he had a very like linear life where it's like you accomplish uh, this mark, you get like this job and then you get married and then you have kids and it's like bop, bop, bop. And I think that's very much just like a generational thing. So I did like how. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. 
no deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. She pointed out like, yeah, you know, this might be a little bit more whimsical, you know, to match the date and it might look a little bit different, but you know, as long as the, uh, the end result, you know, it's, it's, it's about the destination, not the journey. So I guess it's the, the opposite of that old adage, but I also really liked, um, when Matt talked about, uh, his mom. Like, So what was your mom's perception of you coming here then? There was like no skepticism. It was all optimism. Um, <clears throat> my mom, I've seen what it's like for her to grow older and not be in a relationship and there's things that I worry about for her and that she worries about and thinks about for herself. Getting into her older age without someone to grow old with and someone to take care of and have a partnership with. What, what did you think of that moment? So I'll answer your question first, but I, I want to point out that I noticed you said you liked this moment and I really want to hear what you liked about it because I, I kind of disagree. Like I don't get me wrong. Like I love that Matt's mom is supportive. I think that's great. I'm sad that Serena's parents weren't supportive. And I think I understand what that can feel like. You know, I mean, I'm not on The Bachelor, so it's not like I know whether my parents would approve or not. But I know my parents have definitely sometimes not super understood my desire to not live a more linear life, you know? So I I think I... I totally understand where that's coming from. So I'm happy that Matt's mom approves. But when he was going into the reasoning of like why she approved, you know, and I get every, not just mother, every parent wants nothing but happiness and love for their kids. I I got that too. You know, she wants Matt to be happy. Like she wants him to push himself and, you know, learn to be vulnerable and open up and all this stuff. And he is doing that here. But to kind of, compare it to like I'm watching her age alone and it just rubbed me the wrong way you know I'm I'm and that's not to discount mama James's feelings about her current relationship status but my knee-jerk reaction was to yell at my tv and say women don't need men to live complete lives and all the way around too like men don't need you don't you don't need a partner to live a complete life you know whether you are gay, straight, anywhere in between, anywhere in any spectrum, like you don't need another person to live a complete life. If that's what you like and that's the path that you want, yeah, companionship is great and important and and can be really magical, especially when it's the right person and the right fit. But there's so many people who have that companionship need fulfilled by friends and family and and pets and and siblings and nephews and nieces and I don't think that you are having an unfulfilled life if you are alone romantically and so that's just what I really wanted to freaking yell at my tv in that moment like it just kind of really bothered me there's a lot of people who are single by choice and people discount them or pity them and Mm. usually these people don't want or need your pity like they're usually pretty happy off and again I'm not speaking for Matt's mom I don't know her but you can also live a life where you're like I would enjoy a companion but I don't need it and so I felt like that was the energy that was being given off in that moment and that's why I wanted to that's why I felt the need to share my feelings about it because I felt really strongly about it clearly yeah yeah 
Well, I, I definitely very much hear and, and like agree actually mostly with, with like what you're, what you're saying. I think the reason I liked it is because it's, it was a real, you know, conversation. And I think I saw conversations that I've even had with my own parents in that conversation yeah. because I do very much agree with the sentiment where nobody needs someone to like make them ultimately happy. You don't need a life partner. Um, you know, if you're single by choice, that's amazing. I do think it's a, a real thing where, uh, and I guess this kind of comes down to what Matt's mom ultimately wants. If she's like very fulfilled by literally everything else in her life, that's awesome. You know, if she is like a little lonely and does want that companionship, especially it's for me, it's really hard watching even my parents get older. Right. And I, I actually bond with my, my parents, my mom specifically, just talking about dating. Cause she's, yeah, she's divorced. She's single. If anyone, if anyone in their sixties, seventies <laughs> is looking, you know, she's ready to mingle. Um, but you know, like her and I talk about this stuff all the time and how she really still wants to find somebody and how that's hard. And she talks about how hard that is, especially yeah. later on in life. So I think that's why this moment really resonated with me because I don't think we talk about it like enough. And, and also I think that the experience that Matt's mom went through where she had a partner, obviously had Matt, and then his father wasn't present in his life, that's ultimately got to be really brutal for her. Um, it very much probably affects how he approaches love, as he's kind of already talked about. It's the same that if you're a child of divorce, how I can certainly say divorce like scares the shit out of me yeah, a little bit same. more than it might yeah. someone who hasn't been affected by it so yeah i'm see i'm even like getting a little like flustered yeah. talking about it but um i mean, I, th I think it yeah i think it's like okay to you don't need that but it's also okay to yeah. really want that right i think you're totally right like i and i, I say it for like the zillionth time not to discount the fact that maybe she really does want companionship i mean mm -hmm. That's totally normal. That's a normal human need, I guess. And and I and I'm I'm just so happy that you you said that counterpoint to me because it is true and it is valid to want someone no matter what life stage you're in. For me, it, mu it must have been something about the wording or the way he said it or something that just really really inspired that like knee jerk reaction for me. But you know, at the end of the day, I just strongly believe that partner or no partner we are all complete um, people and we're capable of living fulfilling lives, you know, with and yeah. with or without partners and wanting a partner doesn't make you less of a strong person, you know, than if you mm, are okay right. with that one. So yeah, I'm right. I'm really glad that you pushed back with that. But anyway, <laughs> anyway, um, there's one more thing that I did want to point out about this, um, the night portion of this date. And that's when they're kind of talking about their exes and stuff. And, you know, Serena, mm mentions that she was deeply in love with her ex and like thought he was the one um you know she's moved forward from that and she knows that she was really hurt but that doesn't mean that it wasn't a good decision um and then she asks matt about his exes and the last relationship i was in was probably a year ago okay. and we dated four months and it got to a point where we needed to put a title on it i, I was only looking to date somebody if i was going to marry him like i wasn't just gonna casually date somebody. Mm -hmm. I just thought back to my parents' relationship and I ultimately took a step back. <laughs> I just found this moment really funny. Like I just kind of like rolled my eyes and chuckled because, you know, he said his last relationship was like four months 
and that it ended because he had to, they had, they got to a point where they need to label the relationship and then he doesn't want to date someone who he wouldn't consider, who, who he wouldn't seriously consider his wife. And I'm like, if this is not some fuckboy bullshit, like, is that fair? Absolutely yeah. is that fair. But you were dating for four months. Like, I think if you knew you weren't going to marry her, you would have known that after one month. Like, please, let's be real. <laughs> if you were dating, if you can say we were together for four months, then you definitely knew after a month. That's just like some fuckboy bullshit. And I, it just made me yeah. chuckle because that doesn't mean he's not <laughs> ready for love now or he's grown out of that. But it's just... We've all heard, ladies, ladies listening, we've all heard that line before. We know what it is. And I just, I kind of couldn't believe that he straight up said that on national TV. It made me, <laughs> it made me chuckle. I was like, at least we're growing. At least we're going forward. At least you're planning <laughs> on actually finding someone um, to have a serious relationship with here. You know, all for growth. Clear fuckboy alarm went off. <laughs> something else i think about too is when he's talking about other relationships he's been in and how he says oh i may have thought that i was in love at the time but in hindsight i realized <laughs> i wasn't imagine if you're one of matt's exes and you shit. heard i love you i love you and then all of a sudden he's going on national tv being like oh yeah i totally wasn't in love with that person that would be like oh okay oh, well, all right i guess that was much. just a lot different than i remember <laughs> but okay <laughs> exactly exactly <sighs> Um, and with that, I think I'm um, ready to go back to Nima colon. Fuck, what is it? Nima colon. Nima. I have to say it British in order for me to get Nima the pronunciation colon. right. So we're jumping back to the night of the group date. Back at the resort, Sarah is having doubts, contemplating leaving. She doesn't think she can do this. And she needs to talk to Matt like right away, like right now. And so she interrupts the group date and she interrupts Katie to talk to Matt. And they talk for a while and it's going, you know, it goes pretty well. Like she gets, you know, they kiss, they, he reassures her, et cetera, et cetera. Um, the rest of the girls, when they find out that Sarah's there, they kind of encourage her to take her time back. Um, and so Katie goes back and asks to, you know, to steal him back but unlike what katie did sarah kind of doesn't really like relent you know sarah's just kind of like oh a few more minutes a few more minutes um and then katie's eventually like okay and just stands in the corner because she you know that's what she heard last time and yeah. matt doesn't do anything to like placate the situation at all he's just like sitting there which i think is kind of awkward and a little messed up it's like you could reassure katie while telling her like you do need five more minutes you know it's just very mm. uncomfortable just like pitting the two girls against each other and it's it's very clear that he wants to continue talking to sarah and it, it doesn't make katie look good which is bad like yeah. he he's making her look bad and it's kind of cringy to watch especially since you know we like her so much and she's also like not wrong <laughs> you know um Mm, and yeah. so then eventually I think it's kind of also like a slap in the face that she's like, all right, fine. Like, Matt, will you walk me out? I am just kind of like, okay, whatever. That's a little annoying, but at least, you know, they walk off eventually. And then, you know, Katie continues to talk to Matt and Sarah kind of like faces the other women and then eventually faces Katie again that night. They're all kind of super annoyed. It makes sense. And Sarah is just not, owning it she's just kind of saying like she really needs to talk to him she was thinking of going home she really needs to talk to him she's really been struggling 
And, you know, those feelings are valid, but it's like what's not valid is the way that her her actions and her words are invalidating those feelings in everyone else. Like, obviously, everyone is also feeling this. Everyone knew what they signed up for. And she acknowledges that she knew that what she signed up for. She just didn't know it'd be this hard. But it's like everyone signed up for this. Everyone is feeling this way and dealing it with it one way or another. And so for you to act like you're the only one feeling this way. And so because of that, like it's justified, like the actions and not even owning that. Like, even if you kind of own that afterwards and you're like in the heat of the moment, I just didn't see any other solution. Like that also makes sense. I don't know. Do you have any thoughts on her in the moment where they're actually on the group date? Yeah. I mean, well, there was, there's first off, there's so much to unpack. There's here, so which much. Is such a saga. Such it's a saga. Truly the Sarah saga. Um, but yeah, I mean, just kind of speaking to her reaction to things, it's always a pet peeve of mine when people on this show, they say things like, oh, I'm just feeling really insecure. I'm feeling like I need more time with the lead. It's like, yeah, literally everybody Everyone feels that does. way. And it really is invalidating everybody else's experiences. And it's really... um yeah, discounting them. It's disrespectful to everybody Super. where you're just like, oh, but like I'm I'm the one who's having a hard time here. All of you are good with this. All of you have just clearly been on reality shows. This is just like nothing to you. I'm the only one emotional. So to not realize that everybody else is in that situation too, it, it was very just, uh, I think, self-centered and clearly could have been handled differently. And yeah, I think Katie did a really, really great job in the moment. And I felt for because obviously I want uh, her to get as much time as possible because we both really like her a lot. Mm-hmm. And you were you were talking about this, but I really just felt my soul leave my body when she sits down on the couch is yeah, comes back, sits down on the couch and then yeah, Sarah's like, oh, you know, can you can you walk me out? Then they just walk away from her. Yeah. That's like awful. That is so awful. They're literally making katie chase them and then they're just making out probably within earshot yeah you can probably hear smacking I mean, noises yeah. or something you, katie i mean we again we don't know if katie can hear them or not but she they're making it look like she can right she's just kind of like what like yeah. what's going on and they're like making out somewhere yeah. not too far away it it is it yeah. was pretty egregious i i all but it's also like matt come on like read the room yeah yeah yeah, and exactly your point too, where that's not a good look on Katie, even though she's doing nothing wrong. Yeah. Where Katie has not had that much time with Matt, at least that we've seen. And she certainly doesn't want to give off an impression that's like pushy, where I'm like, I just really want my time. And because Sarah is being really relentless and not being respectful of other people's time, then it's forcing Katie's hand to be probably bolder than she feels yeah. comfortable with. And yeah. yeah, it's not a great look and that's shitty. 100%. I feel like by the end of the date, you know, when she tries to talk it out with Sarah, well, yeah, she's like the main one. I mean, yes, the other women, like they just didn't get time period. But Katie also, you know, was like blatantly disrespected. And I think, well, there's a couple things. One, like, as we all know, Victoria's like instigating a lot, right? Like Victoria's like kind of, mm. she like pushes Katie to go back, which I mean, she yes yes Katie should have gone back but like you know she's just kind of like planting seeds of like Sarah's the next one yeah, to get knocked off exactly. the island you know 
And so she's literally talking shit about her and then runs outside to follow her and is like very nice-ish. Hey. Hey. Are you okay? No, that was really intense. Yeah, I mean, it was intense for us as well. I don't want you to cry. Like, I'm coming here with love, swear. Yeah, I know. I feel like we have, like, a good relationship. Yeah, no, literally, Sarah, like, when you came, we were like, is it about her health? Like, we were worried about you because we all said we don't see Sarah as a malicious person, so we're like, it must be serious. You know, we were worried for you. I don't know what to say. I'm sorry to hurt you guys. I mean, it was a personal conversation. And that's fine, but it was a personal conversation on our time. And I think, too, the issue with why the girls are confused is that we, tonight, had a different vibe, and you kind of changed the vibe up. Yeah, but fake nice. I really think fake nice, Yes, though. exactly. It felt super ingenuine and manipulative. And I don't think it's genuine at all. I, I just meant, like, the juxtaposition of, like, her, you know, talking shit in front of the other girls and then running out to her and being like, but it's also that fake nice of like, like that mean girl's nice where it's like backhanded where she's like, Mm. you know, sprinkling some niceness and then being aggressive right afterwards, kind of like a backhanded compliment. And just a side note from the Sarah saga to jump to the, uh, the Victoria saga. Like this is literally being fake. Like, look, I don't understand how, (laughs) how your tagline is like getting rid of fake bitches when this is literally middle school, mean girls want to be fake but um you know what unpacking unpacking that this feels like when you hate something about someone else because it reminds you of yourself that's clearly what's (gasps) happening here whether it's cognizant or not where she latches onto that because she very much is that herself oh my god she's denying it do you remember where you learned about that concept not to go too off the rails I honestly have no idea. It's just like in the general mental health, psychological oh ether. I remember that perfectly. I was in the 12th grade and I was in therapy, technically child therapy. I mean, I was 18, but I was in therapy in the 12th grade. And it was like the only thing that stuck with me from that therapist. Uh, yeah. Wow. When I learned that, I was like, things make so much more sense now. Like <laughs> yeah, every once in a while, like, well, so, you know, I think we both talked about it, but both you and I go to therapy and I would admit to like, sometimes when you go to therapy, especially if it's like a fine or average week, it's like, I don't really have material. I don't know. It's just like, yeah, just working. And I feel like people don't talk about that with therapy enough where obviously both of us are huge supporters of therapy, yeah. but sometimes it's just like dud burgers where I just am like shooting the shit with a friend, like talking about our weekend. And I'm like, all right, glad that I just paid money and yeah. spent an hour doing that. But yeah. all you need are those little nuggets and yeah. then it's worth it. I, uh, it shifts your whole worldview. <laughs> I will say though that I'm just like, I aspire to be at that level with my therapist, Brett, because I, I went to therapy in, in, <laughs> in high school and stuff and my parents paid for it. But you know, as an adult, I, only just started again so it's definitely still mining trauma <laughs> i can't wait to just shoot the shit honestly i'm excited to get there yeah oh yeah <laughs> well and i mean i could talk about therapy forever but um one one more note about therapy and then we'll get back on the rails <laughs> but one thing i notice is you have your therapy appointments on maybe like a you know a thursday morning at 10 a.m it's not always when crises are happening. Oh my like I, I have my crises happening at like 11 p.m. on like a Saturday, something like that. It's usually in the off hours of therapy. Right. And I know that there are some platforms out there that you can like text a therapist. It's 24-7. <laughs> Maybe I should look into that. That does actually seem kind of nice. But 
by the time Selling I usually yourself. get to therapy, I've kind of gone through the journey. The, yes. You know, like I've, I've gone through the spiral. I'm now back to level. And maybe that is a good way to approach it from a neutral standpoint, but it's not always there uh, logistically when I need it the most. Yeah. I mean, on that note, my therapist took, you know, the week off between Christmas and New Year's. And our last session before that, it was fine. You know, nothing had really happened. And then I had a crisis like two hours after the session and I couldn't talk to her for two no, weeks. That and then, always fucking happens. And it was fucking horrible. It was horrible. And then by the time we like came back together, I was like pretty subdued about it. I was like, this is what happened. Yeah. It, it's the sort of thing that would be comical from the outside. And I guess it's comical now, but... It was just like, she still helped me, but I, yeah, I had to put a pin in it for two weeks and like, I just had to calm myself down, yeah. Yeah, which no, I guess exactly. is a good thing, you know, just that not, I can do that. Yeah. It's like, part of it is like skill building. And that actually reminds me of, and this will be the last, okay. thing. I, know I promise last time, yeah. this will be the last one is um, my old therapist back in like 2018, I guess, um, moved to Jersey and I've been going to him for like two or three years. So I, we really had a bond. It, that felt like a dark breakup when he was like, oh. I'm going to move and you can't see me anymore. Oh. It was really dark, honestly. And then weeks later, I got laid off from BuzzFeed. So I was like, oh, this is great. Great timing. Abandonment now that I have like a, a life panic. Yeah, that you it relied like abandonment. on. It felt like abandonment. Exactly. Yeah. And yeah, just uh, reiterating your point that uh, bullshit like that can happen. Yeah. It always seems to be like, <laughs> Oh, let me just take one week off. It'll be no big deal. And then life crisis, cue life crisis. Yeah. But anyway, we can get back on track. <laughs> um, but I'll love a good therapy tangent. Yeah, that was good. So um, where did we leave off? Right. Uh, Victoria projecting. <laughs> um, <laughs> exactly. And, you know, she's doing this weird dance with Sarah. And then Katie comes out because she wants to know what the heck is up. And then Victoria is like, and I take my leave. And then Katie and Sarah kind of have it out. Um, what did you feel about that moment? Yeah, I mean, this I think is where Katie obviously is like the most justifiable in right. where she's coming from. I think I think Katie was doing a good job at trying to genuinely understand where Sarah was coming from and mm -hmm. figure out what was going on. Right. Where she said, like, is it insecurity? Like what's what's really mm -hmm. going on? And I think oh, right. and, like, she figure was it out. going to use right. that information. Yeah, she was gonna use that information to then sort of decide how to react and how to go about the situation. Right. So at that time, we didn't get all of this other context, which, you know, I think the context about, you know, Sarah's family is, is obviously important, yeah. but it doesn't change and, and give Sarah permission to then like hog all the time and be sort of right. selfish with that time. It, it's helpful context to know where she's coming from, but yeah. um, Katie doesn't get that here where that's not information she gets in this initial. Yeah confrontation this initial talk yes. so then she's like all right well you know you had a one-on-one -on -one. we haven't had much time so you got to realize that this is really unfair to us yeah katie specifically yeah. also hasn't had a lot of time so but yeah very true so we fast forward to the next day and serena p is waiting to get picked up for her one-on-one -on -one. like you said you know katie has kind of told the rest of the women what happened the night before the rest of the women are shocked no one knew that sarah left which i think is kind of easier to do when you're in hotel rooms versus in um, the bachelor mansion, um, yeah. all sharing rooms. <laughs> so 
Matt comes in and, you know, Serena's all cute and ready to go on their date. And then he wants to sit down and talk to the girls really quick to talk to them about what happened the night previous. And then here I think like, okay, he's finally going to acknowledge their feelings and apologize, you know, without invalidating Sarah's feelings. Kind of apologize for the women who didn't get time, things like that. And then instead, he just immediately clocks that Sarah's not there and then leaves to go talk to her. Yeah. And then eventually never, ever addresses the women. So yeah, that kind of bothered me. You know, it's very telling. You know, he really, really likes Sarah. And we get that. And a lot of, you know, bachelors and bachelorettes, they have early favorites that they usually have only a handful that they actually really see as um, plausible connections, you know. But it just feels very dismissive of the whole of of the. It's like, read the room, Matt. Read the room. Yeah. Well, what this really brought me back to was Claire and Dale. Talk about dismissive. I got that energy immediately Immediately. where as soon as maybe something off, there was something off about Dale, Claire had to go run and check in on him or Claire would have one second with one guy and then see Dale way over in the distance to be like, oh, let me actually go run over and spend an hour or two with him. And yeah, it was really starting to get to that point with Sarah. So they talk again. It's like a repeat of the night before. She says again, she's thinking about leaving, whatever. But she's she says she decides to stay because she sees how much it means to Matt. Matt promises her to like come every day to validate her. It is a lot. And then there is kind of like a con- some little commentary about like having to face the girls and like, yeah, they'll be mad. But she literally doesn't face them. And then Matt goes back to scoop Serena. He's been gone for a while. Not a good way to start the date, kind of disrespectful way to start the date. And then also makes a comment about how, you know, he would do that for anyone who is feeling that way, which is, again, frustrating because these girls aren't going to be like, well, we all feel that way to him. You know, like they want to put their best foot forward with him and they want to focus on their relationships with him. But it's like they're also going through like the feelings of rejection when they can't have time with him because Sarah takes yeah. the time. It's frustrating because he doesn't see that. And part of it is like, okay, well, you've, you've never seen the show or you didn't experience it yourself. That's another thing is that he doesn't know what it feels like to go through it. So he thinks that these things yeah. are isolated. He thinks, oh, Victoria was being bullied by Marilyn, sent home the problem. Oh, Sarah is just having a hard time. Okay, I will validate her. And if anyone else throws me a problem, I will fix it. It's like, that's not exactly how it works. It's not feasible. It's not sustainable. So that just bothered me a bit. Yeah. And then with um with Matt saying that sort of thing specifically where he's like, oh, I'll uh, obviously do this for anybody who's feeling that sort of way. I actually want to thank you for checking me in that regard because I think I hear that. And I'm like, oh, look at Matt really handling this well. But it's a lot different to say that versus doing, doing it. And he's it. clearly not doing that. It's only for Sarah at this point. I don't think there's literally anyone else that he's just thrown time at. So actions speak louder than words. That's where that comes yep. from. And he's not really following that up with action. Yeah. If that was sincere and true, he would have given Marilyn more time or more benefit exactly. of the doubt, you know? Thought of that immediately, yeah. Yeah. Um. So he leaves with his date with Serena finally, and thank God they have a good time. We already chatted about that. And a gr- yep. great date. Lo- uh, definitely a new sleeper fave for me. Uh, Sarah never comes downstairs. You know, and the the women are getting reasonably upset. They want her to face the music. They want her to own 
own up to her shit, which is extremely yeah. reasonable. Like you can't get over things and work through things and move on from things unless you talk it out and own up to your shit. Like that's just not only is that like therapy 101, that's like life 101. That's every interpersonal relationship yeah. ever 101. Every relationship that has issues, it's like this is yeah. the this is a genesis of it. Um yeah. <laughs> and that's yeah. all they want. And so she hides away all day. It obviously makes it worse. So women are stewing in this. And then eventually when the new date card comes in, she tries to like sneak in like nothing. And I don't even think they read the date card or if they did, they like cut it out, right? I don't even think they we saw the date card. Yeah, I don't think they so. They just, the women just immediately go in on her. And in the first half, I feel like everything the women say is 100% valid. You know, Sarah, as we said, acted selfishly and with entitlement and they just want her to own it. And she's, she's like trying to, but frankly, she's just not. Like, I think she, she's like, I want to take responsibility, but also she taking responsibility is I just needed the time and I felt I did what I had to do. And I something that you were saying when we were talking about the group portion of the night, I think is really telling here where it's like, well, you didn't take us into consideration. And I think a lot of times on the show when there's arguments like this, what we see is very vague. Like they, re they talk around the thing. And I felt like here it was very clear what was happening. So people literally said, uh, it hasn't been hard for you. I do want to be here for Matt. It's just so, it's really difficult for me. And I think- You haven't had it difficult. You've had a one-on-one. -on -one. You had extra time with him. Like you literally have not had it difficult. Like it hasn't been hard for yeah. you. He's validated you so much. Whereas we're over here, like we had our time robbed. Like we haven't had one-on-ones. Like we haven't had that much time. And we're questioning whether or not we can even build a relationship. And like- it, it just like I that I just loved the, these moments so much because it was like they are spelling it out. It is not vague vagueness and we have to fill in the blanks. It's like, no, Sarah, check yourself. It hasn't been hard for you. You are just maybe emotionally not ready for it. And like you said, they don't know the context about her family, which is fair. But I think they're 100 percent right. Some women do take it to a realm of bullying. Yeah, and I think with this, I was very much in agreement with all of the women and being upset. And I also think had Sarah come down like that morning, uh, you know, things explode if you avoid them for too long, yep. right? And I think this is a clear instance of that where if she had just, again, faced the music or, you know, own your shit and like she she tried to do it ish but she one did it too late and two it was very much this ask for forgiveness not permission yes. vibe multiple times yeah. where she would just do it and she'd be like oh sorry and then do something else and oh sorry and mm -hmm. then hit up in a room to av avoid the consequences it really was just avoiding yeah, consequences. avoiding consequences uh you know so acknowledging all that, so I very much think that Sarah could have handled so many things differently yep. uh, this episode. I I do uh, admit though this is I was conflicted the entire you know right. episode, and it was one of those things where it was gradually getting harder and harder to watch as the episode progressed, as the Sarah saga progressed. And I think in the morning is when I kind of flipped, and I was like, I I'm starting to feel bad for for yeah. Sarah here, not I wanna... again at all dismissing yeah. what she what she's done. Yeah. I think my my biggest thing is that it was like uh to what you were saying, the people who were taking it to bullying territory, yes. to instigating territory, namely 
Victoria and Kit. Right. Those were the main two that jumped right. out at me. That's where the punishment uh, wasn't wasn't really matching the crime. Right. You know, where that just felt so harsh and hard and ganging up and like mob mentality was starting to get to that zone for me. Right. And I started feeling for her. With, uh, yeah, with Victoria, I mean, she's an instigator, clearly. I also want to point out that Victoria was also, I, I guess this happened a little bit earlier when Serena was waiting to go on her date, but she was like, it's Serena's time. It's Serena's time. Like, why aren't we, like, she should deserve to go on this date when, like, the first episode, she's, like, shitting on people for, uh, yeah. for, yeah, being happy yeah. for whoever is going on the first one-on-one date. So I thought that was also funny. Well, well, actually, one thing to to highlight on that, though, is like with Victoria, the, a theme with this episode is I found myself agreeing kind of where yeah. she was coming from, but it would be like, it would be like right reasons, wrong motive yes. all over the Yes, board. that's exactly whether how I felt. Whether it was confronting Sarah, whether it was... Well, whether it was confronting Sarah initially the night before, whether it was confronting Sarah right. in the moment when she was sort of inviting the other women to join in on her and yeah. to like get their jabs in. It was like, does anybody want to take a shot? Is anyone friends here? Yeah. You know, is anyone yeah, wanting to uh, very... like, listen to more of this bullshit? Yeah. yeah. I think some of the things Victoria said were justified, but some of them, it's like you, it's hard because if someone else was saying the things Victoria was saying, I'd be like, this is maybe harsh, but it's true and valid and maybe yeah. Sarah needs to hear yeah. this because she's trying to play victim and be like oh poor me please just pity me and forgive me 100 percent. yeah but because it's victoria and we've seen her be manipulative and an instigator it was hard to yeah that was hard to like be like yeah i agree so yeah there's that with with kit though like yeah it's one thing like e- even abigail i know i think maybe offline you made a, a comment to me about how you're surprised that she said something and i was like well she was upset like justifiably and maybe mom mentality gave her a little bit of courage but i don't think what she said was unjustified right like maybe it's a little harsh but it was unjustified kit on the other hand she says some wild shit i hope that your connection with matt is very strong right now because the rest of your living situation here is going to be horrible yeah (laughs) this is like a fucking threat like it's it's basically yeah this is clearly where it goes to the dark side it's like oh i'm gonna make your life a living hell because you disrespected me it's like no that is so two wrongs don't equal a right that's straight up bullying that's bullying right 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 yeah because that that's like where things just like got really dark and and touching on the the abigail point too and this is completely making a uh just a guess about Abigail's personality that might not be true, but she does strike me as someone who's not really confrontational, is a little bit more reserved. So to your point where what she said was justified, it might have been something where she was like holding on to some right. thoughts that she had and maybe wanted to say it the, the night before, but didn't really, uh, wasn't able to like muster up the wherewithal to, to get it out. And then this was a moment where it was like free reign for it's like, does anybody have uh, shit to say about Sarah at this time? It was like the burn book was open yeah. and everybody was adding their pages essentially. And that I could see kind of where Abigail was coming from a little bit more here. Mm-hmm. So, so when when Kit said all that, that's definitely where I was at at the peak of me feeling bad for Sarah. Yeah. I, you know, did not agree with literally anything she did. That's when I was like, whoa, 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 <laughs> yeah. hold on. Yeah, 
And you can actually see a little foreshadowing here where they really briefly cut to Katie and she sort of like winces where you can tell mm-hmm. that she's, she doesn't jump in, you know, she's not like gonna, um, you know, take a bullet for Sarah quite yet, but you can tell that she's starting to grow a little bit more uh, uncomfortable with being a part of like the group mentality here. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I felt for Sarah here because again, totally messed up this entire episode and how she handled things. But I really felt that at this moment, she was completely alone in this house. And there's still a lot of women left, right? Mm -hmm. It's not like you're in like the top eight and the other people have a problem with you and you can sort of fend for yourself. I don't know how you would handle a confrontation with 20 different people, 20 people who are cutting you off. Mm -hmm. That is, I was like, crying with her. You know, I was I was starting to just get overwhelmed and I, I can't imagine how anxious she was and trying to deal with that situation. And I can actually see that flight, that fight or flight mentality taking uh taking over there and her just like running away. I get like I don't agree with running away as a strategy to deal with issues, but I can see why it happened. Right. Yeah. I mean, of course it's gonna be an incredibly isolating moment, but again it was all they wanted was for her to own up to her shit and she didn't. So I feel like, mm. again, I feel like when you, and okay, of course we don't see like an established pattern or anything like that because it's not like we mm. live with this girl or it's not like we go to school with this girl or we go to work with this girl. So it's not like there's an established pattern that we're aware of. But for me personally, like I don't really believe in comforting people when they fuck you over. I don't know. So yeah. it's it's like a hard situation. I do think that it was taken too far there at the end into bullying, but I think the majority of what was said from the majority of women was right and justified. Well, um, I think I would be a little bit more on board with like, yeah, you know, you didn't own your shit, like so you don't deserve kind of like allies, you know, in this moment. I think I would be a little bit more on board with that if she wasn't sort of like in the act of apologizing. Granted, apology far too late, but I do think there's something to be said about trying to work, you know, with people who are uh, like trying. And again, so many people are shitty at apologies in general. Yeah. Where you know, I'm sorry you feel that way, or, or well, that's what like she that. did. She Not was, that she I'm said sorry. That in this you feel, I'm or, sorry. Did she say that in that moment? Yeah. I don't know if she said literally those words, but she she basically said, "I'm sorry that I took your time. I know it's precious or whatever, but." I was feeling horrible and I needed to talk to him. It's like, I'm sorry, but I I needed it. Like, I don't think... Yeah. It's not even asking... You know how you were like, oh, asking for forgiveness versus permission? It's not even because you're not asking... Like, if you were truly trying to do that and get away with it, you'd be like, I'm sorry, point blank. No, but mm. it's, it's kind of like... I mean, obviously, this was way shittier and I'm not... I don't think it's anywhere on the same level as Sarah. Sarah... But it's kind of like Blake when he was trying to apologize for publishing private text with Kaylin. It's like, mm. I'm sorry, but it's like, no, dude, just shut yeah, the fuck yeah. up. Just shut the fuck up. Yeah. Well, this this whole thing kind of did remind me a little bit of uh, the dynamics when Chad was in the house and then when Corinne was in the house. Mm-hmm. And they're two different villains, right? Because Sarah was almost kind of getting a villain arc this episode. Um 
And I think Chad was the only villain, quote unquote, that I think very much deserved complete isolation because he had hostile behavior. It was toxic. It was dangerous. Literally got into physical confrontations multiple times with his history on the franchise. So that get that out, get that out of the house, let alone just like isolating for the for the day. Um, but then you know, Corinne, I can't fully remember all the different conversations and moments that she had, but obviously she she kind of did have this like it's my time, I'm gonna take all the time I want. I remember when Corinne was in like the bouncy house with with Nick and all the other women were pissed and kind of taking her time. Um, but Corinne still sort of had some allies in the house, like Rachel being one of them, even if she wasn't super vocal. But I think even having one person, not that she's, uh, you know, setting herself up to have allies, but I can acknowledge that that's like a really shitty situation to feel like you have absolutely not one person, right? Yeah. To, to turn to, even for like an olive branch. Yeah. I think with the Korean situation, I think it, was different. I don't, I'm pretty, I don't think that the women were upset with her because she was like taking time. I think because she was, you know, she wasn't like crashing other people's states or whatever. I think they were upset because she was being very sexual with him and she was trying to seduce him yeah. and stuff like that. And they didn't like that, which reasonable, you know, and then that tied in with her obvious like privilege, right? Like, you know, the nanny thing, like all this stuff. So I think that's what happened there. And I think, you know, I agree like it's hard to like being isolated is hard in general. I think we're all learning that this year. But I think also like in, when things were first starting to be bad with Corinne, I think I mean I don't specifically remember, but I think with all, most villains, you know, most of them still have some friends by the end and it's usually like yeah, there's usually like some sort of heated explosion whatever and then when it dies down, you know, people like relationships mend. So I think that's kind yeah. of something that, I mean, we're seeing that with Victoria, like some people were kind of, well, we don't really know because the focus was on Sarah, but like some people are still, you know, they're taking her advice, like they're listening to her, like they're, the focus isn't so much on how Victoria's bad this episode. Yeah. And then, yeah. so with Sarah, it's like, well, it's only been a day, like it's, and part, and she also self-isolated. So it's kind of like what you said earlier, if she had gone down in the morning, and even if this whole fight happened in the morning, it probably would have been, it honestly probably wouldn't have blown up so much because the women were festering in it all day. Yeah. And she probably would have felt isolated. But again, it was one day, not even, I think, 24 hours of her being like isolated yeah. and alone. So yeah. No, that's a, that's a fair point. And yeah. we were just seeing it at its climax, which yeah. I think made it really difficult to watch in the moment. Oh, but, for sure. I mean, I, I know a lot of people are standing up for her now. Obviously, we see uh, Katie, you know, come to her and, and sort of that, that's like the olive branch I was looking yes. for. Yes. Right? Yes. I, I think I more had those thoughts before Katie came in. And man, I was like really at my stress limit watching, watching the, uh, because it was starting to get real off the rails. Yeah. And then Sarah had that moment with MJ, I think it was, where she tried to pull MJ aside and then she yeah. just like needed some some time to to cool off, which fair, which is yeah. very fair. Um, but I was very relieved when when Katie came in to at least just kind of hear a little bit more of what was yeah. going on. Yeah, when Katie came in, there was just so much tension that kept building and building and building that I thought would break, but it wasn't breaking, just building, building, building. Like I think that MK like I also thought like, oh, maybe it'll break here and just nope. So for a split yeah, second, yeah. I was like, this is just going to be more bad. 
you know, full circle, like, because we're returning back to the scene of the crime. And so I was relieved when she immediately opened up with, like, compassion. Yeah, right. Oh, yeah. So Katie's trying to understand where, you know, she's coming from, but then also is saying, like, yeah, I didn't really like how uh, that unfolded, right? Like, that whole point where you're talking about where it's just all this tension, it was just not breaking, it was really relentless, and just saying that she wasn't, she didn't like that, she didn't like what she saw there, and then Sarah, you know, then reveals what's going on with her family, and then we see just like a moment that crushed me watching, because you can tell that this is, again, one of those moments that's uh, a actual real and raw moment. And I really don't honestly think it was planned. I think this was a bit of a surprise. Um, the, the the main reason I think that is looking at Katie's expression where, I, I don't know, I just, I, I just don't think that producers were like sending Katie specifically because they were going to like bond about like loss. I, I, don't I think, think they were. That that's 100%. That that's what I thought. I 100% was like, oh, they might not talk about it. Like, I don't think Katie was prompted, but they might not talk about it. But if there's anyone, I think they also wanted to fan the flames of like, we don't want it to seem like it's a pile on. Like we want there to be like some redeeming connection still. What yeah. for Sarah's exit, the person who will be the most empathetic to her wanting to go home also because of family will be Katie because of her, her father having died um, some years earlier. I was like a hundred percent. The producers were like, this could be, probably be the most empathetic person. But yeah, yeah, maybe. maybe. We can agree I, I mean, disagree. It, perhaps that's still night. Maybe that's still like naivete on my part. I still think but, it was a genuine uh, moment. Like I, I agree. The look on her yeah. face, she did not know that she was going to hear that. I do believe that for sure. Yeah, but the producers pulled strings. Regardless, even if it was like, even if it was like pulled strings, right? Even if it was sort of crafted, it still was. Um, I mean, I want to say a beautiful moment, but it was it was really uh, touching and hard too. Yeah. And uh, yeah, definitely saw like a different side to, to Katie too. I mean, I've I've liked her a ton, as have you, like this entire time. But yeah. you know, she's just like in a whole other league now. Based off of this conversation, we can more hear where where she's coming from. And um, and I don't know. I just think that whole conversation was just really beautiful and great and touching and real. Yeah, I agree. And with that, uh, Sarah decides to go home. Uh, she goes to Matt one last time. He tries to get her to stay. She just, her mind's made up. She's being called to go home. And she goes home. And then the next morning, the women, you know, they're like, oh, she's still not here. She's still not here. Like, what if she doesn't show up to the script date? Whatever. And then when Katie comes to announce that she has left, they kind of like start celebrating and she's like, stay classy, people. Uh, there's some th things that work here that you are not aware of. And I feel like that. Yeah, I feel. And then if I remember correctly, it was just kind of like muted. Like it wasn't like outright celebration. Right. Yeah. And then with that, the episode ends. Yeah. And it looks like from the teasers, we're finally going to get the the next horde of women coming. And yeah, that I'm sure it's going to go over well. Which I, I just think it's like so ridiculous and dumb and disrespectful yeah. and i'm like yeah. really annoyed that we're that this is about yeah. to happen honestly yeah especially to like i almost would have been i i wasn't on board with it at any point but i think if it was like the second week then like all right they don't really you know they're kind of still getting the ball rolling but we're going to be in episode four yeah and that just is so weird to me that they're going to bring other people in and i hope this isn't a trend that continues 
Yeah. It's just so disrespectful to the women who are still there and yeah. also to the women who yeah. barely had any time with him and then went home because of it. Yeah. It's not a trend that I'm enjoying seeing. And I think this is callback also to how we were saying, like, the men leads get the experiments that benefit them and not the contestants. And then the female leads get experiments that are to their detriment and not to the contestants' detriment. So yeah. it's just kind of little yeah. sprinkles of misogynistic, you know, undertones that, that irk me. Yeah. Listen, don't bring in new people. Just keep Kristen, Marilyn, um, Al- Alana, Elena. Yeah, I don't know exactly how to say your name. You had good people. What are you doing? Bring them back. We don't need these new people. Mm-hmm. And with that, should we get into the Batch Nation moments of the week? Yeah, let's do it. All right. So the first one is, I don't know if people saw, because uh, this happened Monday, but our boy Zach Clark is doing great. He's on a panel that's a part of the presidential inaugural committee's national day of service. It happened on Monday, but I'm sure maybe there's a live stream. I think there is. Um, but it was a panel talking about uh, ending addiction stigma. And that's just so cool. And Tasha was super proud, was posting about it. And man, you know, he was the the F1, as they say, you know, he could have just been doing ad deals, which he probably still is and or will be doing. Mm-hmm. But man, like putting that platform to good use. Talk about that. Talk about a little bachelor activist. Love to see it. I'm just I'm like, this is one of the cooler things, at least for me, in like bachelor uh, greater cinematic universe recent history. Yep. So good on you, Zach. Look at you go. Doing amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, And with that, Brad, I think that's it. Another episode in the books. That's another episode of Baby Got Batch. This episode was produced by us, Brad Vergara and Camila Salazar over there. Yeah. Have any questions, comments, opinions? Maybe some positive feedback that you like the political stuff that we're t- that we're talking about. <laughs> yeah, please. Um, email them to us. We're babygotbatchpod at gmail.com. And listen, once again, don't forget to rate, review, share, all that on Apple Podcasts. Uh, five stars, please. If you want to follow us personally on the socials, we're at Brett Espergara and at Camila Lola with two A's at the end on Instagram and Twitter. And if you're not yet, follow us over at Baby Got Batch Pod on Twitter and Instagram. Thanks again for listening and we'll see you next week. Bye. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.